Hi everyone, I'm your host Tajay and welcome to Positive Growth, a podcast for those on a journey of self-discovery. I would like to think of my podcast as a personal journal where I get vulnerable and relatable, discussing topics and sharing stories that inspire thought and conversation. Rise and shine, my lovely listeners, and welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the show. As there is a storm brewing outside in California, there is a storm brewing inside my heart. And that's because this week I will be diving into the passing of my dad, just recounting the day and the aftermath of how it left me and my family. But before we do get into that topic, here is an ad by Anchor. I do want to say that I do not apologize in advance for (laughs) any tears or any crying that you hear during this episode because this is... (laughs) this is difficult. I didn't even really feel like I wanted to go through with recording this. And I had been procrastinating for so long to sit down and talk about it because I don't really want to talk about it. I don't want to have to face and relive that day and everything that have happened has happened. Because being ignorant to it is better. Acting like I can get through the day is better than better than coming face to face with what the day really means and symbolizes. So I'm going to give myself grace and hold space for my tears. And I hope that you all can do the same. When I was younger, I built this model, this idea that my parents were indestructible like superheroes, that they were immortal and nothing would ever take them from me but old age when it was appropriate for them to die. And it's funny, I have been reading The Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer. I highly recommend it, it's a really great book And chapter 13, Far, Far Beyond, really got to me because it was like an aha moment. In that chapter, there was a passage that basically was saying, people tend to build our world on a model of life predicated upon another person's behavior or the permanence of a relationship. And my model was the permanence of my parents being indestructible and that nothing would ever happen to them. But that foundation got pulled out from under me. And that's when it began to crumble. You know, life. Life has its gotcha moments. Oh, you thought you were safe moments. Life will throw you a curveball that hits you square in the face, knocking you down, and then have the nerve to offer a helping hand asking if you're okay. And no, I'm not fucking okay. 
that curveball that life threw at me came on January 10th of 2016. January 10th of 2016 was on a Sunday and it started out as any Sunday normally would. I was on winter break from college. I had a job at Panera and I had the opening shift so I had to wake up really early to get there. I remember being done getting ready and on my way out the door, I noticed that my dad wasn't in the living room. And so I thought, okay, maybe he's in the garage. He made the garage his man cave. So I checked the garage and he wasn't there either. And although I thought it was weird, I just rationalized with myself and said, okay, maybe he just stayed over at his friend's house. And then I went on, drove to work, got there and did my thing. But I remember feeling like, I don't know how to explain it. I felt like lost when I was at work. I couldn't find anything, nothing was going right for me. And it was just a really weird feeling. And my general manager came out from the office and told me that I had a family emergency and that I had to go home. And that was so weird to me because I'm like a family emergency, what they say. And he said, I can't tell you, you have to go home and find out. Mind you, I was only two hours into my shift and we had just opened the doors to Panera and our first customers started coming in. So I did feel a little bit guilty about that, but family emergency, that sounded really important. I was at the light on my way home and I was just trying to think of all the reasons why I would be called home for a family emergency. I thought, you know, my sister had a cold at the time. Maybe my parents needed me to come home because they needed to do something important and they wanted me to watch her. I, I really didn't know, but I remember thinking that it did have something to do with my dad, but I didn't think it was anything serious. Like, I don't know, maybe he got into a little bit of trouble and then my mom and grandma needed to, you know, handle some business or whatever. So I was on my way home. I remember it being a really gloomy day it was cloudy, dark, and I pulled into the driveway. And this is kind of a blur. I don't really remember much about it. And I think it's because it, it, it was such a traumatic experience that my brain kind of blocked it out, but I remember walking in the door and I see these two women and I know that they're chaplains. And I remember when I was in high school, my English teacher, Mr. Sanchez, he was a voluntary chaplain and he told us about how they would come to people's houses and let them know when a loved one passed. But that didn't register for me right then. Like I knew who they were, but I, I, the logic wasn't there 
right? So my family sitting down, I can see everyone's faces and it's, it was like blank. But I could see sadness, right? And it's still not, it's still not registering or anything. <laughs> so the crazy thing is, is that as I was stepping to the house, they were sitting me down. I knew that it was something really bad. And I knew that it had something to do with my dad because he was the only one that wasn't there. And it's like, I don't really know how to explain it, but I knew it, but it was in the way, way, way back in my mind because I didn't want it to push forward and be true. It was like me present was trying to, me present was catching up to what I had already known. So they sat me down. The chaplain lady was holding my hand and basically she stated that there was a car accident and your dad didn't make it. But she said more than that. I know she said more than that. I remember she said more than that, but I don't remember exactly what she said. All I can remember is that before she could even really explain anything, I had already started crying and I was hysterical. And I don't, I don't know. You know, they gave me a glass of water. They tried to calm me down, but I didn't want to be there anymore. I didn't want to sit anymore. And I had to, I had to leave. So I went out through the garage. I just needed some air. I needed to get outside. But they thought that I was going to drive off or something. Because I could see that happening. You know, you see it in a movie. Sometimes somebody gets bad news and they just want to take off. But that's not what I wanted to do. I just needed to get outside and get some air. And so... They sat me down outside, gave me a blanket, and just tried to calm me down and relax me. But, I mean, how can you relax when your whole world is just crumbling? That model that you had and your mind is gone. I had always thought that my dad was always going to be here through everything. I was only 19. I wasn't supposed to lose my dad that young. And I just thought about all the things that he wouldn't be here for. He wouldn't be here to see me get my degree when I graduated college. He wouldn't be here to see me get into any of my relationships and protect me when I needed to be protected. He wouldn't be there to walk me down the aisle when I get married. He wouldn't be there to see his grandchildren born from me. He wouldn't be there to protect me anymore. 
I didn't have him anymore. And I just felt so alone because my dad was the one person that really understood me. And I didn't have that anymore. So what was I supposed to do? Something that I just thought about this year that I've been struggling with is that I wasn't there with my family when they first heard and got the news that my dad was gone. I was at work. I don't even know how it was for them. I don't know who opened the door, my mom, my grandma, my brother. I don't know how it was for them to open the door and see these people standing there and knowing that something had happened. I don't even know if they thought automatically that it was my dad or maybe that it was me because I had gone off to work. And I just feel guilty about that because I wasn't there with them when they found out and there to comfort them and stuff, you know? After I had gone outside from hearing the news and I got some air and calmed down a little bit, I went back inside the house and I just remember looking at my sister. She was six at the time and my heart just broke even more because she doesn't even know the depths of what has just happened and i just hurt for her because fuck man she's only six she's only six and she's not going to have all the years that my brother and I had with our dad to experience who he was as a person. My heart broke for my brother because at his age 18, he felt like now he had to step up and be the man of the house. My heart broke for my mom because in her 30s, she was a widow. And it didn't occur to me that your 30s is such a young age. My dad was only 39 when he passed away. He was going to be 40 that year. <laughs> and it's just so young. It's just crazy how one day somebody's here. We were just all talking to my dad the day before and I think he called my mom. She put him on speakerphone and he just told all of us that he loved us. And then the next day, only 10 days into the new year, he was gone. And that was it. In that moment, I really needed my friends with me because I couldn't, I couldn't do it alone. I had this friend at the time, Ruby, and we're not in contact anymore, but I do thank her for being a really good friend at that time and being there for me. She had lost her mom in December, the just a month before my dad, and I remember texting her what had happened, and she came right over. And my best friend, Kiki, 
who is more like my sister, really. Uh, I tried to get a hold of her, but her phone is almost always dying. <laughs> so it's always hard to get a hold of her, but I left a voicemail. I texted her and let her know what happened. And once she got that, she was there. But I'm really grateful for them showing up for me in my time of need and just hugging me, consoling me, and letting me cry. Because that's really what I needed in that time. I made a post on Facebook about it too because I just had to write something just to explain my grief. And after that, I did have more people reaching out to me and coming over to see me. I was really grateful for that because nobody really had to go out of their way to be there for me like that. But it was really appreciated. That day and the coming days are really a blur for me. I know that I had a really hard time going through the day without crying. And I remember my brother told me that he and I have to get it together to be strong for our mom. And I know that he was only being helpful because I really do understand where he was coming from. But in essence, <laughs> it wasn't really helpful, you know? So from that day forward, I did my best to not cry as much and to show up for my mom and be that pillar for her along with my brother because my mom doesn't have her husband anymore. And now she's a single mother of three kids and has even more responsibility on her shoulders than she did before. And that shit's rough. In the coming days, I didn't really want to eat anything. I wasn't hungry. I felt guilty for the times that I would be laughing or smiling about something because honestly, what the fuck did I have to laugh about when my dad's not here? Why am I laughing? Why am I smiling when he can't do that anymore? And I just had so much guilt about the things that he was no longer able to do that I still was. I really wanted to go and see the site where my dad crashed. And the ironic thing is, the thing that always gets me is that he was only about 10 minutes away from home. That's it. Just 10 minutes away from home. He was almost there. So my family, we went to the site. My dad's friends had left flowers and some blunt wrappers and stuff. 
cards, a picture, balloons. And we added to that. It was really hard for my mom to even be there. And to this day, she doesn't like driving that way. She always avoids it because it's really hard for her. I used to, at night, just, I know it was dangerous, and I know that nobody's really going to like me saying this, but, you know, I'm still alive. (laughs) But I would go out there sometimes at night when I was coming back home, and I would park my car at the Shell gas station, walk and just sit by the pole that my dad crashed into and just be there. And I did that a lot because it was the last place he was besides the hospital. And so it had meaning to me to just be there and sit there and feel like I was with him. I had a hard time coming to reality, and honestly, I still kind of do. It was, and it is still hard for me to even come to terms with the fact that my dad isn't here. During that first year, and probably even a few years after that, I didn't feel like it was real, and I was waiting for him to come back home and say that he was alive or something, just had to go away. I had dreams that maybe he faked his death because he was in some trouble at the time and we would meet up again when I got older. And I would be so mad at him for abandoning me, but so happy he was still alive. I would wake up sometimes convincing myself that he was still there and would make an appearance. I was telling myself all of these stories. I was having all of these dreams that were different scenarios of how he was still alive and that he wasn't gone. He didn't leave for no good reason. There was a reason. There had to be. And it was <laughs> it was hard when you have someone in your life for so long and they're just gone. How, you know, how? (laughs) It doesn't seem real. It didn't seem real. So I would come up with different ways as to how it wasn't real. Like maybe he just pulled a Tupac or something, you know. But that wasn't the case. I know that this may sound morbid, but I told my mom that I wanted to either see the truck that my dad crashed in to come to terms with it being real and that I also wanted to see my dad because if I can't see that he's not here then I'm going to continue believing that he is Uh, So seeing the car was out of question, it was totaled. I don't really know what happened with that. But 
my mom, I believe, set up an appointment with the funeral director so that we could see my dad for the last time. And this is kind of a blur to me too, for good reason. I'm going to give a trigger warning before I continue on with this because it is going to be a bit gruesome. So the day came when we were able to see my dad's body. It was me, my mom, my brother, my auntie Liz, and my cousin Saya. My auntie Liz came with us just to be that person there to comfort us so we wouldn't have to do it alone. I remember being so nervous to see. I I didn't really want to because I, I wanted it to be fake. I just, I wanted to be like, oh, you know, there's nobody. You can't see him so that I can still have that delusion that my dad was still alive. But we got to the funeral home. They took us into the room, me, my brother, my mom, and my auntie Liz. And there my dad was. We could only see him from the chest up. And I remember looking at him and being sad because he got in a car accident and he had some obvious wounds. I think there was a cut in the middle of his forehead. I think he bit through his lip too. And there are some other things that I can't really remember. But I was sad because he didn't live long enough for his wounds to even heal. They were there on his body. And I remember my brother tried to lighten up the mood a little bit by joking about my dad's sharp tooth because <laughs> my dad did have some pretty sharp teeth and you know how it bit through his lip. My brother was always there for some sort of comedic relief. I just remember staring and looking and staring at my dad just lying there, just begging him begging him to open his eyes to wake up to wink and say gotcha this is some sort of joke I'm sorry I did this to you guys you know I got closer to him and I remember just touching his arm still begging him to wake up and something in me just broke I broke and I just remember screaming, crying, and I couldn't take it. So my aunt had to take me out of the room because I just broke. Just seeing my dad laying there lifeless, I broke because I couldn't hold on to the delusion anymore, no matter how much I wanted to that there was a possibility that he was alive because obviously he wasn't. Seeing my dad like that for the last time really changed me. And I really didn't want to leave him there. 
I wouldn't say that I wanted to die, but I really didn't see why I should live anymore. And it's not like I wanted to take my own life or anything. I just didn't want to exist anymore in this pain because it's a lot to carry. And I had so many people telling me to be strong. He's in a better place. He's watching over you. And, you know, just the regular things that people say when they're trying to make you feel better, but it really doesn't make you feel better. Being there for someone that's grieving is really hard. And even after going through that situation, I still don't even know how to be there for someone who's grieving because you never really know the right things to say. But what I do know from experience is that I just really wanted people to acknowledge what I'm going through and to not turn a blind eye or act like if they don't talk about it, then that elephant's not right there when it is. I didn't want anybody to try to make it go away by saying that I'm going to be okay, that I'm strong and that it will get better because I know all of that. Eventually, those things will happen, but I just wanted them to be there for me and acknowledge in that moment that I'm not okay, and it's okay for me to not be okay, and that there's nothing wrong with that. I just wanted people to not speed up my grieving process because they didn't like seeing me that way, and I understand When you really care about somebody, when you love somebody and you see that they're going through something like that, you do your best and say those normal things that people say because you don't want to see them in a slump. You don't want to see them lose themselves in it. And I get that. But I just wanted acknowledgement of the fact that my dad's not here and it's okay for me to feel like this and to just be there for me while I cry, hug me, hold my hand, just console me. That's really all I wanted. And I do thank the people that did show up for me in that time. Even the ones that, you know, I don't really talk to now. That doesn't really matter because when I needed them in that moment, they did the best that they could to show up for me, and I do appreciate that. And I try not to be mad about how so-called family and so-called family and friends were only there for a minute and then dipped out when things got rough. I really try not to be angry about that because I have to live with this. My family has to live with this for the rest of our lives. And you call yourself family. You call yourself my dad's friend. And when it's not beneficial for you anymore, you say fuck us and fuck what we're feeling because you don't have to live with this every day. 
It's fucking bullshit. And I try so hard to just not be angry and to just forgive it and forget it because not everybody understands. But I really can't because I can't stand people like that. They want to say that they're there for my family, but they don't even show up. Or they barely show up, and when they feel like it's good, they don't anymore. And that's fucking bullshit. But I'm done talking about that. I do want to give a special shout out to my Panera family and the people that I worked with at my time there. Because... Normally when you work with people, they could give a fuck less about what you're going through. But my Panera family, they understood that I needed time off to grieve. They covered my shifts. When I did come back to work, they let me take breaks to cry. They comforted me when I did to the best of their abilities. And they even got me a necklace from I think the story is Things Remembered and um, I forgot what they put on the front of it but I know on the back of the necklace I still have it on the back of the necklace it has my dad's birthday and a day that he passed and all of those things they really didn't even have to do for me but they did because they cared about me and they loved me and for that my Panera family, I will always, always be grateful to them for that and always have love for them for showing up for me when they didn't have to. One thing that I'm really thankful for is that throughout all of this, I was still on winter break from school. So the day came for my dad's memorial service and I don't really want to talk about his memorial service because there are a couple of things that happened that still to this day piss me off. And I feel like there are certain people that ruined the memorial service for me. And I don't think that he got the proper send off that he should have. And I will never forgive him for that. But after the memorial services, basically around a time where some people fell off from being in there for my family and I, I honestly don't remember a lot of things that happened during that time. Because as I have learned, your brain tends to block really traumatic experiences. But the time came for me to go back to college. And it was really hard for me to get back in that mindset of going to school. And I felt so overwhelmed. And I remember talking to my mom about it. But I know that I didn't want to drop out of school because I know that my dad wouldn't want me to do that. So... I was doing my best to try to push through for him. So my mom just recommended me dropping some classes. And doing that, it would take me longer to graduate than I wanted to, but it was the best decision for me. And I'm really glad that my mom gave me that suggestion because 
even though I graduated later than I wanted, I was still able to graduate and keep my sanity. There are a lot of things that changed in me when my dad passed away. Whenever it came to me driving, I would get anxiety because I didn't want to end up in an accident myself. I would get really scared that I would lose someone else. I still do get scared that I will lose someone else that I love. So before, I would be really adamant about people letting me know when they got home safe and keeping keeping me in check on what they were doing so I knew that they were still alive. And that's really hard for the other person to do that. And I did scratch that habit because it's really overbearing, but it was my way of making sure that the people around me were safe and alive. I also delved deeper into my avoidant attachment to where I didn't really want to get close to people out of fear that they would eventually leave or something would happen to them. There are a lot of things that changed within my personality and how I was, how I looked at life. And I know that after my dad died, I was more reckless with my life. I didn't really care. I was out all the time. I would be going out, partying, drinking, whatever, because I didn't really care that much. And I feel like I put myself in situations at that time where there could be a chance that I wouldn't make it out alive, but that didn't really matter to me. It was kind of like I had a death wish without really having a death wish. There are a lot of firsts that year. That was the first year that I had my birthday with my dad not being there. The first Father's Day that he wasn't there. The first Halloween. I feel like that was his favorite holiday, that he wasn't there. His birthday, he wasn't there. My family's birthdays, he wasn't there. Thanksgiving, he wasn't there. And he was the one that would take care of the turkey. So I did that that year. And the first Christmas that he wasn't there. It was just a lot of firsts that felt like so much loss. It was really weird having to continue on with life. The day-to-day, the holidays, the regular degular shit and not have my dad there. I remember when we went to our first family dinner. I don't know if it was that same year or the year after that, but it was just so sad. I remember all of us at the table, we went to Joe's Crab Shack and Nobody was really talking. It was kind of awkward. We were trying to have fun and talk about my dad a little bit. And 
just enjoy each other's company. But it just wasn't working. It was really awkward and I just felt overcome with grief and just cried at the dinner table. And I felt so bad that I was crying because I know that we were all trying to hold it together and not acknowledge the fact that my dad wasn't there. And it was our first dinner without my dad there, but I couldn't do it. And from that day forward, we didn't really have family dinners like that anymore. There are a lot of family things that we just didn't do anymore because he wasn't there. He was like the glue that kept it all together. And now it was just broken. After that, there was just a lot of responsibility in helping my mom because I know that it was a lot for her to do on her own. I, you know, my brother, my grandma, and I, we stepped up and helped our, helped my mom with house things, helped my mom with my sister. It's just a lot of things that you don't think about doing when you have some mother that does it all that you now have to take on and do. And that was basically what happened. I can't help but think sometimes that if my dad were still here, then my, well, our lives, my family's lives would be completely different. In regards to me, I know that I wouldn't have made a lot of the choices that I made. I know that I more than likely would have never gotten into the relationships that I got into. I would have never put myself in the situations I put myself in. And I know that I did it because I was missing my father in that parental guidance. And my mom can only do so much and she is doing the best she can. And my mom is wonderful and she has helped me through so many things. But she knows and all of us knows that there's just some things that we need our dad for. And I just can't help but think how my life would be if he were here. And I feel like it would be better, but I don't know. I know a lot of people say, and there's this saying that it gets easier over time but it really doesn't get easier over time. I just have learned how to cope with it better, quote unquote, because I haven't been coping with it in a healthy way because I've just been ignoring it and not thinking about it because there's still a part of me that wants to believe that it's not real and I'm in some sort of simulation or something. But I know that this has all changed my life in a major way. And I don't want to sound woo-woo or anything or spiritual for the people that aren't like that. But I do know that my dad is still with me. He's still with us. He's still 
protects us and looks over us and has our best interests in mind, meaning my family and I. And I sometimes do have dreams about him. And those dreams don't ever really make sense. But I know in those dreams, he's always protecting me. And I know that he will always protect me as he did in his living life. Each year that January 10th comes along, as I said in my previous episodes, as it gets closer, I start to shut down and it gets really hard for me to be in a good mood and want to be around people. And then January 10th comes around and I try to push it out of my mind. What the day is, what the day means and try to treat it like a regular day just to get through it. But it's not a regular day. It's the day that my life and my family's life changed forever. And maybe I shouldn't treat it like a regular day. Maybe I should acknowledge my own feelings and the fact that this day has an impact on me and be okay with that. I miss my dad every day, even if I don't realize it. I miss him every day. I just miss being around him, hearing his corny jokes that only he would laugh at, his hugs, his advice, his food. Just being around him and doing things with him. Shit, I even miss being yelled at at him. I would take him yelling at me any day. I would kill for all of that. But it's not possible for me to have anymore. And I try to come to grips with the facts of what life is for me now, what it has been for the past now seven years. And I'm stubborn as hell. I still don't want to. I still want to wallow in the fact that there will be so many things that he won't be here for in the flesh that maybe he will be here for just looking over me and just taking comfort in that fact. But I don't want to take comfort in that fact because I'm selfish and I want him to be here with us breathing living every day with us, but he's not. And that's what I'm fighting. I don't really have too much more to say on this topic because I don't really want to say every single little thing that has happened to me since the that I go through because 
some of it is very personal and I should get back into therapy and talk about it with the therapist because it was helping me. What I do want to say is thank you to everyone that has listened to this episode and that I feel for people that have gone through the same thing that I have because I know it's hard. And if you ever want to talk to somebody or need somebody to listen to what you have to say, I am here so you can hit me up in my DMs. I understand. And thank you to every single person that was there for me during that time and held space for me and did their best to show up and show me love because you didn't have to do that. And I appreciate it. And I'm really appreciative of the people that still do that still understand how hard it is for me to live with this each day and that still love me through it because I know some days it can be hard because I push away and I don't want to talk about it, but I appreciate those of you that still are here for me because again, you don't have to be. And of course, I love my family and It hurts me that we have to live with this. And I thank my family for always consoling me when I need it. Because I know it's hard for especially my mom, to hold it together in front of us when she wants to break down too. So that's all I have to say about this topic. January 10th is always a really hard day for me. The holidays are always really hard too, and sometimes just living each day is hard when I think about the loss of my dad and just everything that came with it. There are some things that do help me get through my grief. Sometimes I listen to the music that my dad used to like or listen to. My dad will always play Key Sweat. So whenever I listen to Key Sweat, it reminds me of him. My dad's favorite song was Return of the Mac. So whenever I hear that playing somewhere randomly, then I know that he's there with me. I still rep the teams, the sports teams that he liked. You know, the Lakers, the Niners, the Sharks, and the Giants. I used to watch sports in his memory, but I don't really do that anymore, don't really like watching sports unless it's live that's more fun I just remember each day how much my dad loved me and that he would want me to go on and continue doing things and not dwell in sadness because he wouldn't want me 
to stall my life because of it. I just try to do the things that he enjoyed doing, remembering good memories, looking at pictures, and just remembering those times to get me through the days where it's particularly hard. And I also, I actually really enjoy when my friends tell me things about my dad that they remember that they loved about him or things that he did for them that that was really nice. It just helps me remember my dad and how much of an awesome person he was. And it's nice knowing that people felt that same way about him with the things that they say to me that they remember. And my family and I, we talk about him every now and then and just share stories and laugh about the things that my dad did and the things that he said. And that really helps. So I do try my best not to get to a dark space and I bring myself out of it by just remembering the good things and continuing to live and continuing to grow and doing better because I know that's what he would want for me. And I know that I'm making him proud and that's what does matter besides making myself proud too because I want my dad to be remembered. And honestly, one of the reasons why I created this podcast is so that I can have something substantial to be remembered by. If I do pass early, you know, something happens or even God willing, I pass at a ripe old age and I have this podcast that my children can listen to, my grandchildren can listen to whenever they want to hear my voice when I was younger and just know who I am as a person and my growth. So those are the things that keep me going and I thank you all for listening to this episode. If you are hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode, and for that, I want to thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support my podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with positive growth and get updates on future episodes and more content, follow me on IG at Positive Growth The Podcast. Talk to you guys next time. Bye.